Welcome and thank you for joining us on The Breakthrough Factor, a podcast and YouTube show where your host, Jess Boss, interviews entrepreneurs, athletes, and financial professionals to find out what it takes to break through barriers to health, wealth, and taking ownership of your life. If you're feeling stuck in your career or seeking advice on how to overcome obstacles all the way to building your fitness and finances, this is a show for you. In this episode, I talked with Trayton DeVore, a financial planner for creators. And even with the best laid plans and what seemed like the perfect niche, Trayton went through hell and back during his first year as an RIA owner. All the barriers he faced, though, including having his car stolen, were a sifting ground for developing his own talents as a creator, which has led to him having established credibility as a financial planner in this space. Hi, friends. It's me, Jess Bost, here with another episode of The Breakthrough Factor. And today's guest is Trayton DeVore. He is the co-founder of All Street Wealth and RIA in Missouri and Indiana, where he and his partner, Thomas Kopelman, approach wealth as something that can be built on all streets, not Wall Street, uh, not just Wall Street. So I'm super excited to have him today. Trayton focuses uh, on creators and freelance careerists, something that was born out of his passion for creating and free freelance work where he's been featured on Market Watch, Nerd Wallet, Investment News, Think Advisor, more. Uh, he's developed Creator Bread, a core cohort for providing education, and is currently working on a course for freelance finances. Um, together, he and Thomas launched a web design service where he brings both his knowledge and understanding of the financial services industry, along with his design skills to be able to create a website that presents the firm's information in a way that facilitates the potential client journey, like the ideal one. So he does a podcast, does coaching content with Seven Group, and it's occurring to me right now that he probably doesn't sleep. Uh, so we need to check in with him on that, but Trayton, welcome. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate you having me on. Like I haven't, um, done an interview where I've gotten to tell my story before, so I'm really excited for it. Awesome. Well, we're going to do that today. So jumping right into it, uh, from our conversation <laughs> before, I know the start of your career in finance was not at all what I was expecting to hear from someone who has had as much success as you have, in, you know, since I've known you, which has you know, been since I started kind of my journey on Twitter. So tell us about that start uh, really back beginning in college uh, into where you ended up with an RIA of your own. Yeah. So, yeah, my journey was definitely not normal whatsoever. And it kind of started like in the summer of 2017 between my junior and senior year of college. Um, I took a door to door sales job down in Miami. Like one of my teammates um, brothers was the regional manager of a company down there and they were just recruiting kind of just college kids for summer sales jobs. And at the time, like I knew absolutely nothing about sales. I didn't even really know it was a job because I grew up in a super small town. Um, our graduating class was like 32 people. So I didn't even have much, much knowledge of the workforce in general. Um, but when I took the job, I just almost like immediately fell in love with sales and not, not really in the traditional sense, 
Um, like I think advisors especially have a negative view towards it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like sleazy. Like you're just trying to sell everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. But because I didn't know anything about it, like all I learned was the training I received, which was amazing. And shout out to Chad Oram. If, if you're watching this somehow, like he was so helpful and just the best person to learn sales from because it was painted more as problem solving, not trying to sell everything to everyone. And, and like, for example, like in the door to door role, um, even just like how you stand on the porch or how you introduce yourself or how you position the service mm. and you're solving problems. Um, and cause like problem solving is just like one thing that I just really enjoy, which is also why I think I enjoy being a financial planner, but there's like one specific instance where we were we were knocking in a nice neighborhood and there were so many other like door to door reps out there. It was like pest control, Internet, cable, just anything you could imagine. And I could barely get a word out before people would just close the door because they'd already been pitched like five times that day already. Oh, yeah. Um, so like I took that and took a different approach from our like standard sales pitch and I can't remember the exact words I used, but it was something like, hey, sorry to bother you. Um, my name's Trayton. I'm a smart home pro out here with Vivint. I know you're tired of answering the door for people like me, but I have the solution. You can tell like any door to door people like me to F off from the comfort of your couch with our doorbell camera because it was like smart home, home security stuff. Mm. And then I just like skipped over all the benefits and features and went straight into problem solving because I could just kind of see that there. Mm. Um, so I loved, loved sales, loved everything about it. I wasn't super passionate about the product really. Like I knew I wasn't going to be slinging security systems for the rest of my life. Um, but I was a finance and marketing major. So after that summer, when I came back, I, it was my senior year. So I was going to have to figure out what I was going to do for my career pretty quickly. And I just distinctly remember like Googling financial sales jobs oh. on the futon in our apartment. And I mean, like I stumbled across financial advisor pretty quick after that. <laughs> um, and I found an article from Jeff Rose. It was called like, so you want my job as a financial advisor or something. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first one that kind of like painted the picture of what the day to day looks like and like the career potential and just everything about it. Um, and was super interested in that. So I applied to like, all the big places like Edward Jones, Merrill Lynch, Raymond James, even even Wells Fargo. Um, and, and they I just, they just got they ate you right up, right? Sales guy. I thought they would, thought, but right? <laughs> like it was especially Edward Jones, because that one, like, I don't know if it still is with COVID and everything, but like their main thing was door to door business development. I was like, this, it just felt perfect. Like this is exactly what was supposed to happen. This is exactly what I should be doing and got turned down for most of the places because I just didn't have a big network and I didn't know any retirees that had a lot of money. Mm. Um, but being my senior year, like I still, I needed to figure something out. Um, so I kind of like left the idea of being an advisor behind and I, I found a blog. It was from Sophia Barra or it was like how to start an RIA with like $12,000 or how she started her RIA with $12,000 in the first year or something like that. And I had, I had had my nine to five job at the time. I was like, Oh, I think I can do that. Like I can definitely save that amount of money. I don't know exactly how long it's going to take me. So then that's kind of where like my own financial planning came into play of like, okay, I need to have, this is how much it costs. This is how quickly I would 
kind of like to get started. Um, so just automated my own savings, started putting like $800, $1,000 a month away towards savings to with the goal of like starting the business. Eventually, I didn't know what that time frame would look like or what I really even needed to become a financial advisor, which led me into Kitsis's blog of just a lot of self-education. Like I've probably read 75, 80% of everything on that website, just trying to educate myself as much as I could, because I still didn't really know any financial advisors who were doing anything like that. And I was, so I was just studying, doing all that saving for two years. And then once I had about 12 months of business expenses saved up, like as a runway, and then like three-ish months of um, personal expenses saved up, past the 65, um, was confident enough to launch the business, um, quit my job in June, 2020. So just like right after lockdown and everything started, took the leap, quit and starting it took a little bit longer. So that ate into my personal runway a little bit. Um, but then got it launched on July 29th, 2020 and have been doing it ever since. That's a a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big journey. And I mean, I think just to take a step back and look at it from a big picture standpoint, you had so many things going on all at the same time that were vastly different. I mean, one, you're saving to start this business. So every single extra dollar you have is, is going towards savings yeah, I was living, still living basically off just like beef and rice yeah. and yeah. like sand, like just keeping expenses as low as possible to save as much as possible to be able to launch the business as quick as possible. Like everything was yeah. to the extremes. To the extremes, yeah. Because then you're self-studying, not just for the 65, but also to figure out how to run this kind of business that you don't really have any one to model it after that you know personally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Same time you're holding down a full-time job. <laughs> um, uh, again, I'm going to come back at some point and you're going to answer whether or not you sleep. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's just like, that's, that's a lot. And I'm, I'm curious, did you have bandwidth to think about? So when people think about building a business, they think about the logistics of, I need to market myself and I need to have a website and I need to, you know, this, that email and this, that, and the other need to register with state, yada, 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 got to pass a test. Did you put any thought during that time to who you wanted to work with? Because for me, that was a complete afterthought. Like I'm already headfirst into financial services and somebody brings up this idea of niche niches and your ideal client. Is this something that you're thinking about along the way? Yeah. So what's interesting is like the whole thing was basically formed out of wanting to be a niche advisor of serving like recent graduates and young professionals. One, because I mean, the industry just neglects the younger generation completely. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also was very aware that I wasn't the most educated financial planner in the world. Like I'm doing all this self-studying. I've never worked with like complex clients or anything like that before. So I knew that I had to stay in my own lane to be able to provide the advice. So I was like, I know what it's like being a recent graduate and managing finances coming out of that. I know what it's like being a young professional and like doing all this sort of stuff. That's something that I feel like, um, 
is almost a natural tendency for advisors who are leaning into this niche market is to figure out like, who do I relate to? Who do I feel like I can present myself as a uh, expert to? Who do I, you know, who is it that I understand their pain points intuitively and Mm -hmm. kind of creating a business out of that? I just thought like with me being a young person, just like them and like having the empathy behind everything. Like, yeah, I understand that all this stuff is challenging. So like a lot of my personal brand is just around like making money make sense. And I mean, I'm gonna give you all the credit for everything that you've thought of, done, managed, juggled during that time period. But looking back, is there anything that, that you missed during that time? Like if, if you had, you know, Trayton, rewind the years, go back through anything that you would have kind of thought of or included in the way you plan to build your RIA from that point? Yeah, I, I would have done a lot of things different, <laughs> but like, yeah. I, I think I just missed like product market fit for myself. Like, I think the service could still work in the aspect I was doing it in, but I just realized that that's not really what I wanted to be doing. Like, because the goal was just to help like young people give them financial advice. They need the financial education that they should have. And I thought that the only way to, or the best way to do that was through an ongoing subscription relationship with a financial planner. And I mean, I had some clients on like $60 a month, like a hundred dollars a month. And it was awesome. Like they were definitely getting what they needed and what the service provided, but it just wasn't really scalable. Let's do the math on 60 to a hundred dollars a month. It's not good for a client <laughs> that is, you know, from a time standpoint, especially when they first sign on, doesn't understand a whole lot about personal finance. So they probably have a thousand questions. Like I knew, like I knew that the idea was right and like providing like the financial yes. education and financial advice for young people, but like the business model itself wasn't going to be that. Yeah. That moment of like trying to like figure everything out was very, very, very stressful. And I know when we talked before, like you shared, there were a lot of things happening in that moment to kind of defeat you and deflate you and like press you down into this kind of <clears throat> moment of despair. Uh, right? That's really what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. So like I had, so started the business basically in August and I had three months of personal expenses saved. And one of those months got burned while I was waiting for the business to launch. So I had two months at the time. And then I also realized that that was a problem. So then I started doing DoorDash and then after like two months of doing that, then my car got stolen and that was literally my only income source at the time, other than the few financial planning clients. And that was a week before Thanksgiving. And I mean, I miss family Thanksgiving because I couldn't leave because I didn't have a car and I couldn't afford to buy a car. And I, I really had absolutely no clue what I was going to do. I felt just completely helpless. Like I remember, um, it was, I think it was like a Tuesday morning or something. I went out, took my dog outside at like 6am and I looked across the parking lot at my spot and my car wasn't there. And I thought like, 
maybe I had just like accidentally parked in the wrong spot the night before or just something. Maybe I got towed. And when I realized none of that was the case, I came back inside, called my dad at like 6.15 in the morning. Like he's probably getting ready for work. And I was just bawling my eyes out. I was like this, like there was just absolutely no option in my mind of what I could do. Stay tuned for the rest of the story with Trayton coming up on a future episode.